me to 2 Corinthians in chapter number 13. 2 Corinthians in chapter number 13. Power it up here. There we go. 2 Corinthians in chapter number 13. Now it is 11.50 and I'm getting a little bit of a late start. But we are going to finish. We're going to finish. Amen. And uh, But we're going to hasten right into the message. I'm going to let you remain seated while we read our text. I'm going to jump right into the message. And uh, I'm excited about what the Lord has for us this morning. You're in 2 Corinthians in chapter number 13. I want you to look at one verse. Verse number 8. 2 Corinthians 13 verse 8. For we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. We can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. I want to speak to you on the subject this morning. Truth is marching on. Truth is marching on. Heavenly Father, please through the power of the Holy Spirit, fill me and use me and take these simple thoughts, Lord. And meditations of my heart upon them. And deliver these truths, these exciting truths, to the encouragement of God's people. To the warning of those that might be away from God or don't know God. And may we see and understand a providential hand of God that cannot and will not be swayed. No matter what's happening in this world. Your truth will be fulfilled. And it is indeed marching on in Jesus' name. Amen. I was visiting with one of our young adult men yesterday. He asked me an interesting question. He said, Pastor, he said, do you think there could be more than one Antichrist? Do you think that there could be more than one Antichrist? The answer is found in Second John in chapter, uh, there's only one chapter there, and verse number 7. Uh, the Bible said, for, for many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. So many deceivers do not believe in the incarnation. God became flesh and dwelt among us. John 1.14, Jesus Christ isn't just a man, he's God in human flesh. And that is the Christmas story, and that is... Central to the gospel story of Jesus Christ is not the virgin born, sinless, a son of God, God in human flesh. He's just a man and he can't die for the world. But he is God in flesh. Amen. And he, he did become flesh and dwell among us and gave his life on Calvary's cross. So anybody that does not believe that, that doctrine, the Bible says, is antichrist, is against Christ. Okay, so you can't say, you can't, if, 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 if a man proclaims something and you say that's not true, you can't say, I follow that man, I love that man, I believe in that man, I, just, it's, I have confidence in him. Now, he's a liar, but I have, you can't have confidence in a man that you don't believe is true. You understand? And if Jesus Christ isn't who he claimed to be, he said over and again, I and the Father are one. He said, if you don't understand that, uh, that, that I am in the Father, the Father in me, he said, if you don't understand this doctrine, you'll die on your sins. So to say, I believe in Jesus Christ and deny the deity of Christ, to deny that Christ is God come in the flesh, 
is to be against Christ or anti-Christ. And so the Bible said there are many deceivers who do not accept that God. Jehovah Witness friends do not believe that doctrine. Our Mormon friends do not believe that doctrine. Our Muslim friends do not believe that doctrine. You say, that's narrow-minded. Yes, it's just as narrow as that book right there. I didn't say it's politically correct. I just said it's true. Amen. Yes, they're against Christ. Now, uh, just because I, 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 I know someone that I pray to or admire or love who is called Jesus doesn't mean we're talking about the same Jesus. And the Jesus of this book is the one who came, the fullness of the Godhead bodily, who came in human flesh and went to Calvary and died by place. Amen? Now, anybody who does not believe that, the Bible says, is against Christ, antichrist. So the answer to my friend's question was simply this. Yes, there are many antichrists. Now, the Bible tells us in the Gospel of Matthew, in chapter 24, verse 36, that no man knows the day. Jesus said this. No man knows the day or the hour. Christ is coming back. One day, God the Father is going to tap the Son on his shoulder. He's sitting right hand of the Father right now. It says, time to go get our, the children. Amen. Time to go get, go get my children. And Jesus Christ is going to come in the clouds with a shout, the voice of the archangel, the trump of God shall sound, the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain, we are caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord there, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Amen. We call that the rapture. It just means catching away. And so one day Jesus Christ has come back. You know who knows that? No man knows it. Not even God the Son knows it. He says in that verse, the Father only knows when that's going to happen. Now that means this. That means if, 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 if God the Son does not know when that, when He's coming back, then the devil doesn't know when He's coming back. You with me? Follow me here. Which means then that throughout the centuries... Satan has always been grooming someone to be the Antichrist. Now, in World War II, how many people thought that Hitler was the Antichrist? And quite frankly, he would have made a pretty good Antichrist. But that wasn't a time for Christ to come back. So I can promise you this, in our life, if Christ comes back in my lifetime, and I personally believe he will... That means the Antichrist is very likely living today. A Antichrist is living. Many Antichrists are living. But one who would become the Antichrist, that Satan himself is grooming the Antichrist, is one who will, who will bring the, uh, the world together in a one world governments, governance and a one world monetary system and a one world religion. Read your Bible. We see it happening. Why, listen, why would anybody be upset that we would want to strengthen our own nation. Why would anybody be upset that we would not want America to be strong? I mean somebody who lives here. Why? Who would promote ideas that weaken America? Anybody with me? Everybody breathe in, breathe out. It's okay. We're talking Bible this morning. Bible. I tell you who. People who have bought in to an idea that the whole world needs to come together. 
in any crisis, such as the, the, uh, the, the, the make-believe idea of climate change, which is a total lie. It's debunked in one verse in the Bible, which is said, as long as the earth stands, there'll be summer, there'll be winter, there'll be harvest, there'll be all the seasons will remain. The Bible, the Bible, the Bible, the Bible, the Bible, the Bible says. So that means this, this crisis that is made up has a purpose. What is it? Well, if the world is in crisis, then what does the world have to do? Come together. Anybody with me? Folks, we're preaching Bible this morning. Amen? Breathe in, breathe out. If the world is in a crisis, then the world has to come together to overcome this crisis. Well, guess what that matches up with? This book right here. Listen to me very carefully. Yes, there are many antichrists. But I got news for you. Because the world is coming together, because the world... The, oh, I, I don't need to get too distracted on this. But, but because the world is coming together, I, you say, what, do you, oh, what about... Oh my goodness, what if... What if uh, uh, what if there's a conglomeration of nations, and what if freedom-loving nations are are snuffed out? What if what if um, then guess what? That just means my Savior is even closer to coming, and I'm born again, and my name's in the Book of Life. I'm still praying that our nation will stay free until Jesus comes. That is my prayer. That is what I want, and I'm going to work to that end as a citizen of a free nation. Trust me on that. I love my country with all of its ills. I love my country, and still think it's the greatest thing on earth. And by the way, a lot of other people do because they're trying to get here and so I'm thankful for our nation but I also know this book is true and every word in it is true and there is coming a time where the world will come together and very likely uh, 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 from from imagined and real crises across the globe the world will come together under a leader and he has his own plan and that is to bring the world under his submission but I got news for you God's word already told us how that's going to turn out God already told us about what's going to happen in the end of and he can make all the plans he wants to make but truth is marching on truth is marching on God's providential will and God's plan for the ages will be fulfilled the eternal purposes of God move on if you could pay attention to history pay attention to your Bible and pay attention to the news you know that truth is marching on one of the most fascinating stories that used to be taught, no longer taught, in our government-run education system is the story of George Washington at Fort Duquesne. Before he was a general of our nation's army, he served under General Edward Braddock in 1755. It was during the French and Indian War, and there was a battle that ensued at Fort Duquesne and in that battle, every officer was shot down, with the exception of General George Washington. Two horses were shot out from under him. He remounted. And after the battle, listen to this, after the battle... George Washington wrote a letter to his brother, Jack Washington. This is history. You could look it up. 
Here's what he said. Here's what he exclaimed. By the all, this is what he wrote to his brother. By the all-powerful dispensation of providence, capital P, God, I have been protected beyond all human probability or expectation. For I had four bullets through my coat and two horses shot under me and escaped unhurt. Although death was leveling my companions on every side of me. Some years later, the, uh, uh, an Indian chief, 15 years after the battle, George Washington met a native chief that commanded the Indians at the Battle of Fort Duquesne. The chief had commanded that Washington be shot and watched in that battle how he was never hurt. When Washington was exploring the wilderness with a friend and found a group of Indians and the chief, here's what the chief said through an interpreter to George Washington, just 15 years after that battle. I am a chief and ruler over my tribes. My influence extends to the waters of the Great Lakes and to the far blue mountains. I have traveled a long and weary path that I might see the young warrior of the great battle. It was on the day when the white man's blood mixed with the streams of our forest that I first beheld this chief. I called to my young men and said, Mark yon tall and daring warrior. He is not of the red coat tribe. He hath an Indian's wisdom and his warriors fight as we do. Himself alone is exposed. Quick, let your aim be certain and he dies. Our rifles were leveled. Rifles which but for him knew not how to miss. T'was all in vain. A power mightier far than we shielded him from harm. He cannot die in battle. I am old and soon shall be gathered to the great council fire of my fathers in the land of shades. But ere I go, there is something that bid me speak in the voice of prophecy. Listen, the great spirit protects that man and guides his destinies. He will become the chief of nations and a people yet unborn will hail him as founder of a mighty empire. Let me tell you something, my dear friend. There's a God in heaven who has a purpose and plan in the nations of this world. Daniel wrote, he sets up kings, he brings down kings. God, you say, oh, so-and-so got voted in, so-and-so got voted in. Oh, and there's been a coup over in this church. And yes, and there is a God in heaven who looks down on this earth and he has a providential plan and his mighty hand of providence will reach in as necessary, when necessary, when he deems wise. If it's a young man that he deems, uh, that, that he wants to use to raise up an independent nation that will, will be a place of freedom, a place where the gospel will preach, a place where missionaries will go around the world, a little place called that started with 13 colonies and became the United States of America. If he has to protect a young man on horseback when he's shot four times through his clothes and yet his skin is not scratched by his providential hand, his plan will be fulfilled for truth. God's truth is marching on no matter what the world tries to do against it. God's program, my friend, is running on schedule. Don't be too rattled about what you see in the news. God's still on the throne. Amen? Let me give you three thoughts. The Bible says of Christ in Luke chapter 2 verse 40, and the child grew. And the child grew. You see, there came a time where God would answer the great dilemma of the ages. 
And that is, how does a just God justify ungodly men? How does a holy God... And how are unholy men brought together again? Separated in the Garden of Eden by sin. A God who turned his back on his own son Christ on the cross. And he, Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? How can a holy God and unholy men be brought back together? 2,000 years ago. Born of the Virgin Mary. In a little town called Bethlehem. Mary had never known a man. This doesn't happen every day, friend. A young lady had never known a man. And yet, she was carrying in her womb the Christ child. 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ came forth. Amen. The Bible said, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son. God sent for this son at just the right time. Listen, uh, 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 Herod's uh, uh, slaughter of the innocents, uh, uh, Titus's uh, destruction of the Jews and the temple, all those who stood in opposition to God and to His people, the serpent uh, who tried to snuff them out in the in the when, when this, the, the, the the line of the Christ got pretty thin with one little child in the royal family. All the rest of them slaughtered by a wicked, vile grandmother, except one little boy that that escaped a priest uh, and his wife took him to the house of God and hid him in the house of God and time and time again Hitler tried to do it and on and on uh, that, 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 uh, that, that seed uh, of the woman tried to be snuffed out but God preserved that line and 2,000 years ago Jesus Christ God uh, became flesh Jesus Christ and, and, and Jesus the son of God went to a place called Calvary and the innocent died for the guilty they, he, uh, he who Oh, no debt. Painted it, he didn't know. And the justice of a holy God was satisfied in an incredible expression of love. Calvary is God's justice and God's wrath and God's uh, uh, mercy and grace and love made in one spectacle 2,000 years ago. Jesus who grew, 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 went to that cross and died in our place. Amen. Truth is marching on. Truth is marching on. Herod tried to kill him, but truth is marching on. On several occasions, on one occasion, they got so mad at Jesus, you can visit, I've I've seen the cliff. They took Jesus to push him off a cliff to kill him before his time. And the Bible said he just disappeared from their sight, walked to the crowd. Can you imagine that kid come up here? We're going to let you be Jesus. Even though you're not much like him. But anyway, we're going to let you be Jesus. And uh, anyway, and can you imagine? And here's an angry crowd, a mom, and they're dragging the Lord Jesus Christ. He's speaking the truth. And the made him so furious and angry, just like truth still makes people furious and angry today. And they're so furious. And they get him to the top of the cliff and they go to push him off. And he's not there. On at least three occasions, they cried. They tried to kill Jesus before his time. And he just... As God in flesh said, it's time for me to exercise a little bit of my power right now. <laughs> Why? Because he had to go to Calvary and shed his blood to die in my place and in yours. The God-man, Jesus Christ, grew. There's something else. 
In 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse number 3. The Bible says that God called to a little boy named Samuel. The Bible says, Ere the lamp of God went out in the temple. The Lord. In the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. And Samuel was laid down to sleep. That the Lord called Samuel. And he answered. Eli was the priest. Eli's sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were in line to be the priests. But they were reprobates. They were immoral. They were dishonest. Eli, the Bible says, was intemperate. Quite frankly, he was grossly overweight because of his intemperance. The light, the lamp there in the temple, a symbol of God's enduring presence, was about to go out. And God came to a little lad named Samuel, whose birth itself, his birth was a miracle. His mother's not able to have children. And she made a promise. She said, Lord, if you'll give me the hand and say, if you give me a son, I'll give him back to you. And she kept that promise. God gave her a son. She kept that promise. And he was reared at the house of God in the service of the Lord. But ere the lamp of God went out in the temple, God spoke to him. I want you to think about something. Samuel was given to the Lord before his birth. Samuel grew up around the things of God. And I want every, listen, I want every young person, listen to what I'm saying right now. Every young adult, listen to what I'm saying right now. Samuel would be the last of the judges. He was the only man in the Bible to serve in three roles as, as prophet, priest, and judge. He was what you would, might call the political leader. He was the, the law of the land, so to speak. And he was also the spiritual leader. It's like being the president, the preacher, and the sheriff all at the same time. Only man to hold all three positions. Samuel was a special young man. He was given to the Lord before he was born. And he grew up around the things of God. Listen to me. But when God called him, he answered the call. Listen to me very carefully. There's a generation of young people, teenagers and young adults, who have walked away from the will of God because they claim to have become disillusioned by God's people. If you become disillusioned by God's people, it's because you got your eyes on man and off of the perfect Son of God. Would you consider just a moment about the view of Christian service that Samuel had? An intemperate priest? His boys twisted, perverted, reprobate, dishonest? Did Samuel, when he was called to God, Samuel, Samuel... Did he say, don't talk to me. I know what goes on around here. I know what he lies like. He can't say no to a biscuit. I know what his sons are like. No, sir. What he did was answer the call. That's what he did. He answered the call. 
And I got news for you, dear friend. You follow 1 Samuel 2, 21, 26, 3, 19. You'll find a little lad who when God called said, yes, I will. And who would go on to give his life in the service of the king. Listen, here's his first thought this. There's a little, there's a little boy 2,000 years ago, the God-man, and he grew. And right now, there's some men of God growing too. There's a bunch of little ones sat in here this week. And they're learning to love Jesus Christ. And they're learning how to be a witness for Christ. And they're learning, here am I, Lord, send me. And they're growing up. And there's a mighty army being raised up. And i got news for you, no matter how dark the days have been, there were dark days in Ezekiel's days, there were dark days in Jeremiah's days, no matter how dark the days become, you listen to me, there will always be in every generation a group of men that God has raised up. Listen, men are just men, and the best of men are men at best. But listen, God's plan is this, to raise up God's men, to proclaim God's truth. It has nothing to do with the man, it has something to do with the message and the God that he represents. And i got news for you, I don't know what what's going to happen politically. I don't know what's going to happen globally, but I know this sitting in the pews of this church right now are some boys and some young men who've said yes to Jesus Christ and I'm going to serve Him and I'm going to proclaim His truth and those boys are getting older every single day. And they're growing up every day. And just like Samuel, they're growing, they're growing and growing. And I got news. I sat at the table with some of our young adults yesterday. I told Miss Shook the other day, I, I see something in our ministry. We're coming up on 28 years and there's something happening. There's a snowball effect happening right now. And it thrills my soul. More and more of our kids are staying with it. A greater percentage of our kids are staying with it. I can't tell you what a thrill that is to my soul. I'm so glad that he didn't get discouraged. And she didn't get discouraged. We didn't get, though there's plenty to be discouraged about. There's been plenty to be discouraged about. You love, you pour your life into somebody, and they're going on for Christ, and some, somehow or another, Get off and leave the will of God. But I see something. I see a snowball effect. I see missionaries going out. I see some of our folks going on into the pastorate. And I've got news for you. Listen, God's always raised up His servants. And there's a mighty army in there growing up. And I don't know when Christ is coming back. I don't know when the end of Christ is going to garnish more power. But while He does, there's going to be some faithful men proclaiming God's truth. I guarantee you that. Truth is marching on. Truth is marching on. The God-man grew. God's men are growing. And God's message grows on as well. God's message grows on as well. I didn't pick it. God did. He said He has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And you can preach in a pulpit like I'm preaching. You can preach one-on-one in personal soul winning. You could teach a little group of four and five year olds or second graders or twelfth graders or whatever. But God's message grows on. You see, we can do nothing against the truth. Truth is like a wildfire. Stamp it out. Guess what happens? It spreads. Amen. The church, listen to me, the church of God has always thrived. The cause of Christ has always thrived most 
in times of persecution. Not in times of prosperity. In Acts chapter... Turn to it. Turn to Acts 6. Turn to Acts 6. I'll give you an example from the Scriptures. Acts chapter number 6. Acts chapter number 6. Stephen, one of the first deacons... The Bible says in verse number 7, And the word of God increased, and the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. A bunch, a bunch of the religious people got saved. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Then there arose certain of the synagogue. This is the religious elite, the religious crowd, not the born-again crowd, of the libertines uh, Libertines and uh, Cyrenians and Alexandrians and of them of Cilicia and of Asia disputing with Stephen. He had some opposition. Verse 10, And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. Then they suborned men. They bribed men which said, We've heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. Listen, listen look at me for a minute. I've lived long enough to, know, to this. I, listen, no, none of us are insulated from the attacks of an enemy and all of us ought to walk humbly with our God. I, nobody in this room, beginning with me all the way down, is immune from the attacks of Satan and that's why we ought to walk with God every single day. But, I've lived long enough and watched enough of Christianity in my lifetime to know this. If a man is preaching the truth and working to win souls to Christ and loving people and he gets attacked, my first thought is he must be doing something good. He must be doing something good. He garnished enough attention to get an attack. Now, do men fall? Yeah. Yes. Sadly, yes. But let me tell you something. When you are like a Stephen preaching in power and, 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 and God is working mildly through you, you pro- I promise you, there's going to be a religious group of people get together and attack you. And that's what happened. The end result of this was that he was martyred. He was stoned to death. But if you turn over... Uh, 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 you're in Acts chapter 6. Turn to chapter 11. Turn to chapter 11. Chapter 11. And look at verse number 19. Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, which became the mission-sending church, preaching the word to none but under the Jews only. And, and you know what happened? When, when they martyred Stephen, when they stoned Stephen to death, it emboldened the enemies of Christ and others. People, people started to be persecuted. And so the church began to flee. People began to flee for their lives, leaving their homes and their livelihoods, and began to spread. And everywhere they went, they preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. A great church was started in these cities. Works were built in these cities. A great church was started in Antioch where the first missionaries went out. 
this persecution uh, 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 that was they try to they try to clam up uh, 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 Stephen and say you you quit preaching and, and they withstood him and a, and a council of religious people came together tried to stop him the argument didn't work so they killed him and guess what happened the wildfire spread the message went on the message grows on still today truth is marching on. If what I have read about history is correct, Prim Pradham was the first Christian in Nepal. A little country just north of India. He also became the first preacher in Nepal. He was imprisoned five times for his faith. It's against the law in Nepal to convert someone from one religion to the other. The first time he was imprisoned, he was a nuisance. By the way, if you baptize, if you are baptized, it's a mandatory one-year prison sentence. When, 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 when Mr. When Prim Pradam, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, Prim, P-R-E-M, when Prem led someone to Christ, he said this, are you willing to go to prison for a year? If you're going to publicly profess your faith and be baptized, you must make a public commitment right now that you're ready to go to prison because you will go to prison. And he won hundreds to Christ in that manner. They did go to prison. Prem went to prison. Four years for preaching the gospel, four-year prison sentence. First time he went to prison, he was a nuisance until he won every single person in the prison to Jesus Christ. The second time they put him in prison, they tried to kill him. They put him out in the, in the frozen weather to freeze him to death, and he wouldn't die. They chained him in a room with corpses so they would catch cholera and die. And he never got sick. On his third imprisonment, there was an insurrection and the prisoners raised up against the, the guards and so forth and murdered them and fled the prison. When the authorities came to the prison, there was only one man in the prison and it was Prim. He told the insurrectionists, he said, I'm not having any part of this. I'm not leaving. <laughs> Everyone else left under threat of death by the folks who led that. When the last man was leaving, and he said to him, let's go. He said, I'm not leaving. I'm not a part of this. I'm not going to be a part of your murder scheme. They said, well, we'll kill you. He they raised, man raised a rifle, pulled the trigger, nothing happened. He pulled his gun down, looked at it, back again, clicked it again. Nothing happened. Looked at his rifle. He'd been using his rifle, nothing He picked it up again. He said, sir, you pull that trigger a third time. God stopped your bullet twice. You pull that trigger a third time. You will die and go to hell. The man backed up and said, took off running. (laughs) The fourth time he went to prison, he was a celebrity. (laughs) Each one of these are four years since. The fifth time he went, they put him in an insane asylum never to get out. And the brother of the king of Nepal came and personally escorted him out and said, this man is to be treated as a dignitary in our nation. He is under my watch, care, and protection. Because the gospel, every time, five times, every time he was in prison, 
He won the entire prison population of Jesus Christ. Truth is marching on. In Acts 19.20, the Bible says, So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. I feel like you feel. Some of the despicable lies that are being forced on the American people. Who would have ever thought that we would describe health care for children that mutilating a child's physical body is health care. That is as twisted as anything I've ever heard in my life. Right now in California, there's a bill. If it is passed, it will make you a criminal and you will be guilty of child abuse if you do not affirm a lie. If your child says, I think, you know, I think I'm a boy trapped in a girl's body. I think I'm a girl trapped in a boy's body. If you don't say, well, that's true. Let's go, let's go mutilate your body. Let's give you shots every day for the rest of your life. At the tune of $30,000 a year, by the way, which is the real reason this is being promoted. Yes. Thank you. But anyway, if you don't, quote unquote, affirm that, then you are the child abuser. I, like you, am sick up to here with the twisted lies that are being pushed on our nation. But I got news for you. Truth is marching on. You say, why is it so bad? The Bible tells us that Satan knows he has but a little time. And I believe he's stirred up as ever he's been because he knows his time is short. You know what I'm going to do, my dear friend? Listen, I don't want to go to jail. But they put Les Roloff in jail in the state of Texas decades ago because it wouldn't take a license because the roll off homes you know we went went to jail he did what prim did he had devotions in jail he had revival services in jail he won prisoners for christ in jail amen listen if they come for me i'm gonna tell them it's brother hamilton's fault and they can lock him up amen, amen. listen i know the world's chaotic but listen i got a bible and it's true and i know how this thing turns out amen and any day a trumpet could sound, Jesus Christ is coming back. Amen. Now, friends, listen. If you you sat in this service this morning, let me tell you something. I'll tell you something. I wish I had time to preach it. After what you heard this morning, you listen to me carefully. The Bible says if you had an opportunity to be saved and you spurned your opportunity, you rejected your opportunity, you shunned the Holy Spirit of God, and when that trumpet sounds and God's people are called out of here, you, the Bible says, you will believe the lie of the Antichrist. Whatever lies are told to get you to join this one world conglomerate, you'll do it. Well, we've got to be safe. We've got to be healthy. We've we got to save the planet. We've got to, we got to, we got to. You'll buy it hook, line, and sinker. And you cannot be saved because you'll never want to be saved. God will send strong delusion and you will believe the lie of the Antichrist. Now, thank God you have an opportunity if you're not saved. Let's bow our heads together. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed.